Hey guys, I actually ended up doing two episodes with the wonderful Jenny Ryan of the blog Mothering Sunshine. This first episode that you are listening to right now is really about what needs to be happening in our own hearts in order to pass on the Catholic faith to our children. So what do our hearts need to look like? What does our faith life need to look like in order to be able to pass it on? And along the way, we have some awesome practical tips and just wonderful conversation about the difficulties of motherhood, the beauty of motherhood, and how to really let God guide us through that and navigate through that with our faith. After you listen to this episode, head over to the second episode I did with Jenny, which has practical resources and practical tips on what to do to create a family culture that does pass on the faith to our children uh, through the grace of God. I hope you enjoy the show today. Welcome back to The Right Heart, a podcast that tackles finding a right heart of faith and dealing with the ups and the downs of everyday life. I'm Erin Franco, a Catholic wife, Southern Belle, mother of three, blogger, and podcaster. I would love to hear what inspires you, what challenges you, what encourages you in today's show. You can shoot me an email, learn more about me, find show notes for this episode of the podcast, and check out my blog, Humble Handmade all at AaronFranco.com. In today's episode, we are talking about how to pass on the Catholic faith to our kids. So what does that look like? Where do we start? Is there a formula or a, you know certain things we need to do to ensure our kids will love Jesus when they leave us? So today's guest and I are both, we're kind of friends of friends. Let me go ahead and welcome Jenny to the show. Hey, Erin. Hey, I'm so excited to have you on. I am so excited to be here. Um, I just wanted to bring you on right at the beginning because we have so much to talk about and I really can't wait to pick your brain. Today, we're going to be talking about passing on the faith to our kids. So, you know, when do we get started? You know, can we start when they're babies? What does it look like? Encouragement. So Jenny Ryan, you blog at motheringsunshine.com. Don't y'all love that name, right? (laughs) Um, Jenny's a wife and mother of five. She's also the author of a gorgeous children's book called Love With All My Might, which we will be giving a copy away of on Humble Handmaid. So I'm really excited about that. So you guys, Jenny Ryan is out to encourage us young mamas and older mamas too. If you read anything by her on her blog, Mothering Sunshine, just read her About Me page on the blog. I think that was my favorite thing that got me hooked. You guys will be so encouraged that you are not alone. They're just are real things that you can do to put love and order and purpose into your everyday life as a mom. I wanted to give you a chance to kind of tell us what your blog, Mothering Sunshine, is about. I have a lot of young mamas, just like myself, or in you know my general season of life, who listen to The Right Heart. And I really feel like your blog is such a great fit, and I want to pass that on to them. So what is your heart? What's your desire for your ministry on Mothering Sunshine? Well, it's funny. I was so encouraged just to hear you kind of introduce it here, you know, we haven't even talked about that, but you kind of got the central <laughs> message. Super encouraged to hear you you say that because I think that's it's really true. I think that we are living in this 
absurd kind of era of motherhood <laughs> that is just there's a return back to the simple things in life, you know, crunchy moms. There's just this return to wanting to make a home for your family. And yet so many women like myself really struggle with that, struggle with so many things, not only the how-to, how do I manage this house and how do I manage these kids and how do I manage these tantrums in the middle of Costco, but <laughs> not only that, but how do I mentally then accept that kind of cleaning diapers is my life right now? Yeah. <laughs> how do I get through these seemingly you know, mundane tasks and not you know, feel brain dead? I think that there's a lot of unspoken shame really going around um, and unspoken guilt for moms that are just lonely and, if I can be so bold as to say, even unhappy sometimes in their motherhood and in their mm-hmm. day-to-day tasks and their day-to-day life. And they don't want to speak that and they don't want to share that because it's the best thing that ever happened to them, right? And, of course, we love our kids and we wouldn't have it any other way, so why do I kind of feel unfulfilled and why do I kind of feel like in this black hole why am I the only one there (laughs) because no one's talking about it no one's saying wow this is hard or if they say this is hard that's just kind of it it just kind of stops there Mm -hmm. there's not a okay well you know let's start changing things one at a time and not it's hard because we're doing something wrong right I mean I think motherhood has always been hard I think that since the beginning of time, you know, babies have kept their moms up (laughs) all night long. Yeah. But I think now we're just reaching this time where we have the Pinterest ideal. We have all this information. We have our dear friend, Dr. Google, who keeps us up all night long, you know, with his diagnosis of our kid's headache. (laughs) And and so we have all this information. We We don't have a lot of actual training that we've lost kind of that generational knowledge, if you will, because, you know, like I said, I think there's a return to, you know, women really making a home. You see the Pinterest ideas and we want to incorporate them. And really we don't have, we have a very lack. I did. I can't speak for, for all moms out there. But I think we're down in second and third generation of women who just haven't really been trained. And women, people in general, men, women, all of us, we've just kind of homemaking is outsourced so to speak, mm-hmm. with the TV dinners, you know, that whole era of the TV dinner. Now we're coming back to Whole Foods and we're coming back to the idea of a home and family meals and we're kind of lost. Kind of leads to the perfect storm. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, great. Like, we see the importance, right? We see the importance of making a home a bright and a cheerful home for our families. We see the importance and we want it. But, we, but we're kind of stuck in the minute details of getting things done. So mm-hmm. how am I supposed to add to that, being cheerful and add to that, you know, any little stress that comes your way, financial or otherwise for your family, and it all just kind of implodes, I think. And so yeah. we have this guilt and we're kind of in this black hole. So um, after my twins were born, I had three kids in four years, pretty much exactly. So I had my daughter and then 12 months later, we adopted our son. All of a sudden, you know, all I did was with clean up diapers for a living <laughs> and that wasn't oh, a job at anything uh, really at anything and um and you just feel like don't be so hard on yourself you know don't you know it's okay it'll be fine but I knew kind of in my heart of hearts like this isn't the way it's supposed to be you know and so that's when I started learning you know if I kind of start teaching myself little tips little tricks one thing on top of another you can kind of start to dig out of that black hole and you can start to make life better through tiny pinprick after pinprick after pinprick makes a huge pile, right? So 
these little things. And so that's kind of the purpose of Mothering Sun is to say, you know what, we can do this. Let's do this. You know, we're coworkers. We're in this together and we're going to kill it, you know, and, and not Love every it. day, <laughs> every day, but we can learn, we can grow our skill. We can, you know, I think just like a, a an artist is never going to be happy with his masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to keep striving for better and better. They might make a beautiful picture, but they always want to be better. And I think that's a great quality in moms and a great quality in women. But we can't let that, like the bad is the enemy of the good, right? So yeah. How do we get better like that athlete? How do we always try to improve our game, you know, while not getting bogged down, you know, by the missed shot? <laughs> there's a lot of shots every day. Yeah. Um, And I feel like I'm one of the moms or just my personality, right, is mm -hmm. that I am constantly loving picking up tips from blogs, especially or books or other moms. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to be the best that I can be. And it's so funny because my husband, Michael, he just feels like as soon as we had our firstborn, he was like such a natural. He just held the baby he wasn't nervous Mm -hmm. at all and he said I was just born to do this like I've got everything I need I'm gonna be a great dad he was so confident about and he still is but he's not he's not someone who's gonna say oh man I gotta go google how to handle these tantrums or Mm -hmm. how to do this in marriage or how to raise my kid this way or that way like it a lot of it comes from me and sometimes I probably am super annoying I'm like, can you read this blog post that I texted you on during your lunch hour and like send me back your ideas? It's just funny because we're so different. But I think a lot of moms, we realize deep down like the gravity of what we're doing and how important our work is. And we don't know how to do a good job. And we're worried that we're not doing a good job, especially whenever we can't seem to figure things like out like how do we figure, how do we handle this two-year-old with a temper tantrum? And Mm -hmm. how do we help this child learn how to read and get dinner on the table and not have the house be a complete wreck when my husband gets home? We're in this weird situation where everyone admits like, yes, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do, right? Mm -hmm. But then, like I said, I think it just kind of stops there or, or we have this information overload and then we kind of feel panicky because we can't get it all done. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of my message or that I want my message to be. Like, let's change one small thing, you know, and, and be happy with where we are right now. Because I think somebody once said to me, you know, your kids don't need a perfect mother. They already have one. And I think to realize that, like, oh, okay, I need to calm down. Like God, God told me specifically to mother my children. And he knew that. He knows my faults better than anyone because he doesn't want me to be complacent with that either so i think that's the message, the secular message we kind of get about motherhood it's like oh yeah it's so hard um and it's okay that you're screwing up but here's how to do everything perfectly <laughs> it's so confusing it's so guilt-inducing and if we can just kind of calm down and say okay in this moment you know mm-hmm. how do i be a better mom right now like admitting like yeah you know what i do want to be a better mom it's okay to admit that we're not perfect moms and then to say that I want to be a better mom because my kids have a perfect mother in heaven who's, who's going to pick up the slack where I, where I drop it, hopefully, mm-hmm. right? And so we entrust our kids to the Blessed Mother and and we do our best and we say our, we're sorry when we don't do a good job and we continue 
to change. Like I love that idea of the athlete who is always always at their best game. You know, they can play the most perfect game of their life and watch a replay and say, oh, I want to, I want to change this or that or I need to work on this skill. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we need to develop as mothers and to say, I want to develop this skill and this craft because it is a something, you know, like you said, your husband's like, wow, I was born to do this. Like this is so natural. <laughs> You know, also husbands don't have to learn the breast feed. <laughs> 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 Something that should come naturally, you know, it's very hard. Um, but I just think, you know, to say I want to develop this craft and this skill, just like any tradesman, I kind of think, you know, when you become a carpenter, my husband's a carpenter, you become a carpenter or an electrician, you know, you usually have a four-year internship. And that's just to be proficient. That's not to be a master, right? Mm, and I think, mm-hmm. look at motherhood. You know, I think we got to get four years in really before we even start judging ourselves, but but constantly working on it, get four years in, get that practice in, and then constantly develop your trade, right? So that mm-hmm. we can then pass that down and help hopefully our children, raise our children, and really just realize it is a, a, a skill that we have to develop. It's not necessarily, we're not going to magically know how to do all those things at one time, how to the booby would make the dinner and clean and clean up and not lose our temper and, and you know not get upset when the kids spill you know 500 pounds of rice on the floor yeah <laughs> we do all, it's going to take skill it's going to take learning you should perfect those and craft those while not getting upset when we don't get it right mm-hmm. and you know i was going to ask your thoughts on the whole like yeah it is developing a skill being patient with your children is a skill that you have to develop Absolutely. you know and I, I was, did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that at first. Yeah. I mean, well, I think that there, I don't know what to call it, but it's like there's this idea that a lot of Christians have that about God's grace and that if you ask for grace in the moment, like God is big enough, he's going to give you the grace to do what you need to do in the moment. But the fact is that there have been plenty of times when I have begged for grace not to yell at my mm-hmm. kids or or whatever in the moment and he hasn't just sent like this calm wave of wash of peace where I'm like, Oh, just go to your room and I'll be right there. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Like it it just hasn't happened. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not a theologian and I don't, you know, grace is such a heavy, you know, a big, huge Mm -hmm. topic, but I feel like I'm starting to learn as a mother that now that I have, I guess I'm, I'm six and a half years, I guess, into motherhood, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. but I'm starting to learn that it is such a process. It's each time that something happens or every few months, I'm a little bit better. I'm a little bit better. I am Mm -hmm. so far from what I was three years ago with the kids as far as what, what sets me off, what I can handle, what stresses me Mm -hmm. out. You know, it's just amazing. So I feel like we, the whole like idea of long-term grace is something Mm -hmm. I'm trying to wrap my head around and keep my hope in because if we have our hope in a God that, well, if, if we're doing it right, then we should have the grace in the moment if we ask. And like, I don't think God works like that. And I think it's important um, because if we think that way, we're going to be really disappointed and constantly think we're feeling spiritually or something because oh, right. it, we're not we're not like letting the grace in in the moment i think it's it's right. just long term i think we have to constantly yeah you know dispose ourselves to, be able to make use of that grace and sometimes the grace is the struggle i think that we forget that we forget that there is grace and struggle and sometimes mm. struggle is is kind of the point the struggle is what god wants from us and, and it's kind of a hard 
concept to wrap your mind around <laughs> a little yeah. bit. It's like, wait, I thought he wanted perfection. Like, yes, well, he also, there's that struggle. It, there's so much, and I don't want to come across wrong way, but there's so much joy for God in that struggle that we have. And I, I, you know, I love watching babies learn how to walk. And so I kind of see it that way. You know, we're not getting mad at our kids when they fall down. We're like, yay, that's so exciting. Or mm-hmm. clapping and they fall on their face and then they get back up. And it's so exciting to watch. And that struggle, there's so much purpose to it. And there's so much beauty in it. You might cry a little, might hurt, you might get a little, you know, scrape. We don't feel disappointed in him that he fell down. That struggle is so much a part of our salvation and so much a part of yeah. becoming a child of God and and becoming that grace that he wants to give us I think mm-hmm. I don't know and even That's believing what I like to think of when I fall on my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like the fact is we do have a God that could totally like we could have an epiphany moment like many of the saints and people in the Bible he could do it if he wanted to so I think it's also mm-hmm. a trust thing that if he doesn't give us this whole life soul transformation in a moment or in a month or Lent or, you know, whenever we're asking for it, there's a reason mm-hmm. and there's something he wants us to work on in our soul or can turn our soul more to him. Um, mm-hmm. So he is trustworthy and he could do it if he wanted to. I always think that when we go to mass on Sundays, a lot of times we still have our hands full with our kids in mass. And, yeah. and I always, Lord, if you wanted to, you can make my kids be perfect in mass today. I believe it. And Lord, but if you don't today, if you don't make them be perfect, I'm going to take it as your will. And I thank you in advance because I know it's best for me. Mm-hmm. So I've been praying that prayer for a while. And it is a small consolation for sure. <laughs> but never, yeah. I have to take one or two people out during mass and have a come to Jesus talk or whatnot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a that's what i so call much comfort in that there's so much comfort in like okay god now you do it and i was like i can't do this i was like fine god you do it you get this this wasn't my idea to have twins this wasn't, <laughs> my, this wasn't my plan so obviously you think this plan is good obviously you think it's okay that i can't do all of this it was like my moment of freedom of just Wow. Wow. Like God's okay with the fact that I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it all. I can't change both of your diapers at the same time. So God must be okay. It's like I had this idea in my mind that I was failing my kids if I couldn't always take care of them exactly the way I thought they should be or if they cried for more than a minute because I had to deal with this one first before I could deal with that one, you know, and just to realize that God orchestrated this completely and there's so much freedom in that and knowing that I did not design this perfect situation. This was completely out of my control. There's no twins even in our family. I I was completely blown away by the fact that I had twins and it was the most beautiful gift to mm-hmm. me and to my mother and to my family to realize like, wow, like I can just kind of calm down and just do one thing at a time. And I remember, I remember after George was born, George is my youngest. And I just felt like I couldn't get anything done. And it was just so frustrating because I had kind of forgotten what it was like to have a newborn. And I would talk myself, I'm making lunch. And I wouldn't let myself think it was really <laughs> extreme. You know, <laughs> yeah. I do this all day long, but it was just an extreme way to focus in on like, all I can do 
is make these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm not going to think about the laundry pile. I'm not going to think about, Mm -hmm. you know, paying the bills. I'm not going to think about all this stuff because right now I'm making the sandwich. And so for a day or two, I would just talk, you know, talk like a crazy person to myself. Now I'm feeding the baby. I'm going to feed the baby. (laughs) And it worked. It got me out of that hole of like, oh oh my gosh, I have have so much to do. And just kind of feeling that panicky, Mm -hmm. how do I do it all? No, I don't have to do it all. I just, yeah. I just have to sit here and make this sandwich. And that makes God happy and that makes my kids happy and that makes me happy. And just that, ladies sandwich. and gentlemen, is called taking your thoughts captive to Christ. Right there is talking <laughs> yourself through and not letting your thoughts run away with you like a herd of yeah. naughty horses. That's it's it. True. That's I, awesome. Someone said mortify your mind. And you never think about that. You think that like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll give up chocolate chips and peanut butter for lunch. <laughs> But what about that mortify your mind, you know, say, say no to those, you know, those thoughts, which San Jose Maria Escrita has a beautiful quote on that, you know, mm-hmm. about, you know, don't, don't throw rocks at passing dogs barking as you pass. It's something I'm paraphrasing very badly. And he says, these thoughts are at best a waste of time. <laughs> these thoughts <laughs> that I'm failing or I have to do this or, 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 you know, just talking to yourself, talking to yourself. No, like, you know say no to that and, and talk to Jesus. Turn it, hopefully, if you can, turn it into a conversation with God. And if you can't, then just say, I'm making a sandwich right now. I'm making a sandwich. And I'm not going to give way to that temptation to waste my time, waste my energy and my emotion on things that don't exist. Yeah, that is so, that's uh, so like practical and helpful. And honestly, I really could have, I wish I would have heard that before some parts of my day today. Because um, I think it would have helped me kind of be more. I, I, I have to remind myself of all these things. Is the, I wish I would remember these things all day myself. Do you do it's you ever go back to your blog and you're I like, do. I need to read this post that I wrote two years ago because I, I have n- not lived it out at all. No, <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, one of my last motivational Monday posts. I was in such a bad mood when I wrote it, and it just made me in such a good mood by the end of it. And then I had to keep going back to it. Oh. Just, talk, just talking to myself like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> okay, so Jenny, I, we've talked for like probably 20 minutes about just had this amazing conversation about no it's been amazing I mean it's just I probably just needed to hear everything myself tonight um but I do I I did want to point out look at how quickly we started talking about motherhood and then we drifted into the spiritual aspect of it and how that is Mm -hmm. so 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 necessary and it's something that I think the more the more close to God that I've been as a mom and I've had to grow toward him as a mom, the more I am mm-hmm. just have such a desire to pass that on to my kids. I want them to mm-hmm. be able to have the Lord to lean on in their life. I want to pass on my faith to my kids so badly. And and that was really that's really the topic of our show today. And I think it just yeah. I love that what we talked about for a while before this just segues so beautifully into the topic of the show because we we need we, you know we have to recognize that it is hard. We have to recognize that the Lord is in it and he's orchestrating it. He's permitting it for our good and working it all together for our good. But how do we teach our kids to trust that? 
I guess I want to start off and before I want to talk about practical resources out there. There are some great Mm -hmm. companies and products and great things out there that Uh we can use to do this or to help us. But as far as what needs to happen in our hearts to make any of that work, I want you to just, let's start off and just speak to that. Like what is a right heart as a parent, as a mom, before you can hope to give Jesus to your kids? I love your question that I was reading beforehand about our faith and how do we pass them on to our kids. And it just reminded me so much of this one time that I was angsty about this very question. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Lydia is seven years old. And that means she's halfway to 14, which means she's a third of the way gone. (laughs) I've done the same thing. You're just kind of panicky. Like I started praying. I said, God, how do I you know, make my children use their free will to love you. Mm-hmm. And that was literally my prayer. How do I make my kids use their free will to always love you? And I just kind of realized the ridiculousness. And I think God's okay with our ridiculous prayers. I think that ridiculous prayers are good and beautiful and that he can understand them the same way he can understand our kids, you know, ridiculous requests. And I think first and foremost, when forming a right heart, we have to completely um, accept and love our children's free will. And I'm going to get into that just a little bit more so that it's not misunderstood. Um, But because, first of all, it doesn't matter. You know, we could do everything textbook perfectly, everything. You know, we could could do everything to the best of our ability and better. And our kids still ultimately have that free will. And I think Mm -hmm. so. First of all, we need to give ourselves um, that reasoning and give ourselves that, I don't know, permission to kind of understand that and say, if our kids are, God believes that this free will is good for them. And so I, I'm not above that. I have to respect that as well, that my children are great children of God, just as I am. And so I think that's that's first and foremost, because, you know, there's so, and they're, they're, I'm sure there's moms out there listening and we all know people that have used that free will and, you know, maybe walked away from their faith for a time or whatever choices they've made that have been painful. We watch these painful choices and then we don't want to watch our kids make these painful choices. And to understand that, first of all, that God just absolutely loves them through their bad choices, loves them through anything they possibly do much more and much more completely than we can. And so I think we need to, you know, kind of step back for a minute before we kind of start that conversation and say, okay, our kids have free will. And that God, we have to have absolute and complete confidence in God's love for them and um, that all things will turn out well um, to, in God's mind. That God is, is kind of orchestrating this, and especially for all those moms that are kind of in, maybe in the middle of watching their kids make bad decisions to accept that. Um, and with joy, you know, with joy to say my kids have not accept bad decisions, but accept that my kids have free will. Ultimately, that is the best thing for them to have free will. And so to love them through that and to accept that and not be beating themselves up for, for anything that they could have possibly did. Again, God chose us as parents with our inabilities and with our abilities. And that God, if we entrusted that to God, that, that we have, we just have to trust our future, I guess, in God's hands. And so once we kind of accept that and we can kind of turn our heart in a different direction, once we kind of get through that step, then we need to move to the joy of our faith. And I think that is the number one thing that we can do 
as mothers to pass on our faith to our kids. And this isn't like some wishy-washy, let's all be happy no matter what. It's that deep-rooted, only God can give you kind of joy in our faith. Then mm-hmm. when we start grabbing hold of that and we start begging God for that kind of joy, mm-hmm. you know, that that's going to be our first step. And so I think because I've been there, you know, angsting about this with our kids and, and, and those ideas and those questions still can still sometimes tug at my heart. But to say the number one thing I can do for my kids, and this is not a cop-out, this is the most difficult thing, right, for us to do. The number one thing we can do is grow in our love and therefore grow in our joy and our peace. You know, I like to think of Mary, right, her calmness and her steadiness. Even mm-hmm. at the foot of the cross, a steady heart. You know, she had, she had so much sorrow and pain, and the sword was piercing her heart. You know, on Calvary, and yet she wasn't frantic. She wasn't hysterical. You know, she still had that joy and that confidence in her God that she said yes to thirty three, thirty four years ago. You know, she was bringing that full circle on Calvary, that she had that same joy in her heart and that same complete confidence in God. And that's what we're striving for, right? And I think that when we can get a tiny piece of that pie, when we can get a tiny piece of that joy, and sometimes it's just glimpses, and sometimes we got to carry through without it and just beg for God for that joy. But when we can start turning our hearts towards the joy of Mary and the joy of heaven, and, and how do we let our faith bring that joy into our lives? Because that's something that's undeniable to kids and that they will know that, you know, and they'll tell their stories about their mom who, who nothing could shake her kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and I know that sounds so lofty. I don't, and I always say disclaimers because in no way do I ever want anybody to feel guilty for not having that joy or for having pain or for having suffering. That's, that's not the point of what I'm saying, but that we pray for that joy and we, and sometimes we just get glimpses, but, but first and foremost, you know, do we live our faith? with joy are we fully participating to the best of our ability you know are we begging for that grace are we practicing that grace are we looking for those virtues because when we do that that's going to be attractive for our kids and when everything else goes wrong and our kids have made you know god forbid but say you know our kids have not chosen the right path and and everything's falling apart for them they're going to remember that joy that they're they're going to remember your joy and they're going to come back and say mom how did you hold it together Mm-hmm. I think for and, me, I'm always, for me, a, a little mantra that I have in my head is work on myself first and always. So, uh-huh. in, you know, in each discipline situation, uh, when I'm worried about a child, you know, what is, what is something in myself that could be contributing to making the situation worse, that could be contributing to, to making um, me not see things clearly uh-huh. or not be peaceful? And as far as uh-huh. joy, I've heard it. Gosh, I heard it explained so well what real joy is. And it's not like the feeling. And I think you kind of covered mm-hmm. that. But it's it's basically just being able to speak to something and say, God is bigger than you. God is bigger than this. And like Mary right. had that joy even at the foot of the cross whenever, in the worst day of her life ever. Right. God was bigger than that. And that is what joy is. And it she doesn't mean... confidence. Yeah. confidence in God and His will and His plan. That he knew because exactly. I think I've been doing so much thinking on this. I'm sorry, I have to go on another tangent. Mm-hmm. But just recently, the last few weeks, realizing that when we angst and when we worry and when we, you know, let these things bother us, that 
It is the same exact sin as the Garden of Eden. What was it? It was God doesn't know what's best for you. God, God doesn't really want you to be happy. You need to do that yourself. Right. And I think if we can let go of that temptation little bit by little bit, training our minds that we were speaking about before, saying no to those ugly, you know, worrisome thoughts and just little by little turning away from it, tiny bit by tiny bit, we're turning away from that lie that's deep rooted in our hearts that like God doesn't, God's not really looking out for you. Because when we completely accept that, when we completely say like, no, your will, your will, your will, you know, you're going to have to talk that to ourselves constantly. You know, then we're like Mary at the foot of the cross because she knew, she knew, she trusted God. She trusted his will best, even through that pain and through that suffering. And we're not going to get there tomorrow. And we can't feel bad that we're not there today. But, you know, how do we little bit by little bit turn away from that lie and turn towards joy? And joy comes from that complete confidence that God's will for us. And mm-hmm. so I think, again, it's our number one way to instill the faith. Um, in our children, you know, and then we can kind of get to some practical ideas. <laughs> Number one, those are the two things we have to do. We have to accept our children as free children of, of God, and then we need to start turning our hearts full of God and, and rejecting that lie that God doesn't know it's best, that I have to take it into my own hands. You know, no, that's not true. it all depends on me. Yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly.